Well, hello. It's time once again for the Prehensile and Gretel show. I'm Phil Rebius, and uh, this time around, uh, Rita was unable to join us. She's got other obligations, and she's got a really super busy month, and uh, she just said, go ahead without me. She's got other stuff to do. And and one of the things that she has to do uh, is actually pretty cool. She's... Um, She's working on the Berwyn Historical Society's annual bungalow tour. This year it is from, uh, well, it is on September 27th from noon to 5. And uh, this year uh, there was an area of Berwyn uh, named the Central Berwyn Bungalow Historic District. This was a new designation. All the houses that will be open for the tour are in that area. So it's pretty neat. Um if you're interested in more on that, you can send your questions, uh, get more information, uh, send it to this email address, info at berwynhistoricalsociety.org. Uh, should be a great day. Hope you all uh, can come out and enjoy some of the really neat housing here uh, just outside Chicago. It's time for the Prehensel and Gretel Show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, we've made it to episode number six. Well, I had one of those weeks where I tried to do good things, and I still ended up being the turd ball. You know, the, the guy that, uh, for whatever reason, I, I was trying to do right, and someone still ended up hating me. And I, I understand not everybody's going to like you, but, you know, I try hard. And this was just one of those things with um, a complete stranger who thinks I'm a jerk, and I don't get it. So I walk, I walk pretty fast. I have long legs, I can really hoof it, and it's frustrating sometimes when you're walking to work. And people are just walking at very different speeds, or they're weaving around. A lot of people like to drift to the left, I've noticed, and then they drift to the right. Uh, they may or may not be looking at their phones. Some of the women are carrying three and four purses, like human burrows. Uh, I don't get that at all, uh, but I notice that a lot. They take up a lot of sidewalk space, so do the people who are uh, walking three and four abreast, just taking their time and smoking cigarettes and blowing it in your face as you try to pass. Uh, I know there are worse problems in the world, yes, but... So, anyway, this is my frustration. I'm trying to pass people, looking for an opportunity, and, you know, you take your chance when you can. But you finally get around them, you get up to the next corner... And frequently, they're the very same people who will then walk right in front of you while you're standing there at the corner, and they jump out into the street when the light turns, because they're going to get the, the jump on everybody, and they think they're real fast with their little legs, you know, just churning away and their arms flailing. And um, meanwhile, I'm just kind of loping along and passing them. But you have to wait for an opportunity to pass, right? You don't want to crash into oncoming traffic. It's like driving. And these people just weave, and they bob, and they hop, and they skip, and you're trying to get around them. And you finally do. You get up to the next intersection. They're the ones who walk around you and then hop out, and you have to fucking pass them again. It's nuts. Um, but they think they're getting someplace. So I get to the uh, corner of uh, Dearborn and Monroe, and 
I am at the corner, the light turns, I start walking, I'm trying to get past this woman, she's drifting to the left, I'm trying to pass her on the left, I finally get around her, and then, you know, back to the path, and I cut back to the right, I didn't touch her, didn't clip her, she didn't hit me, but she said, well, excuse me, and um, I could have said, fuck you, and I could have said, blow it out your ass, and I could have said a lot of mean things, but I took the high road, and um, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I thought I was far enough out in front of you before I cut over, and she was muttering and cursing and wouldn't look me in the eye, and so I said, uh, well, don't let it ruin your day, and it ruined my day. Because all I did was think about it. I wasn't being a prick. I just seemed to turn out that way, apparently, in her mind. And um, I have to quit worrying about that kind of stuff. I try. I try so hard. You know, the nuns, they beat it into you. They, they beat you, and they hit you, and they slap you, and they kick you. And I talked about this before. Um, basically, you know, when you grow up in that kind of an environment, you're always wrong. It's your fault. You're the one. You better jump on the sword multiple times. You know, just admit you did it, even if you didn't. Get the beating over with and move on with your life. That's, that's how, um, Catholic school was. It was awesome. All right, well, um... We are sponsored, of course, by Lightning Bugs. This is the diaper with the social conscience. Uh, they didn't send us an ad this time, so I'm just going to free, you know, uh, just freeform it here. But uh, they're very cool. There's microprocessors involved. There's chemistry involved. And these diapers generate electricity. And the stock version, the default version that you can get, um, you can switch it on. And the whole tail, you know, it's like a conical shape, um, like an insect's tail, hence the name lightning bugs. But the whole thing lights up. It's really cool. Uh, you can light a room. You can, you know, it's enough to read by. And, um, and it serves as kind of a nightlight, too, you know, for when baby wakes up in the middle of the night and starts crying. These are from Shart Industries. It's a really cool company. They make all kinds of excellent stuff. I know last time I said it was crap. But uh, I didn't mean it. I apologize to the Shart Industries people. Um, they're working on a version or an attachment, some kind of technology that will allow you to charge your iPhone or your Android device by plugging it into your baby. Uh, the diaper will generate the, the heat or the electricity. Well, it does generate heat, too, so it's, that's another uh, cool thing about it. But you can charge your phone and um, still, you know, pay attention to the real world on the internet uh, while your baby does all the work. Get some. In a previous episode, uh, Rita and I alluded to the fact that, well, we've said outright a couple of times that I uh, have written this book called The Randy Scuffle Papers, and uh, we threatened that I would read from it. And since Rita's not here this time, I thought this would be a great opportunity to do it. 
and share with you some of the the letters from the Randy Scuffle papers. So basically, Randy Scuffle, um, he mostly lives in his backyard, or the backyard of his mother's house, and he's an inventor and an artist, and he's obsessed with processed meat and other things. And uh, he writes letters to his doctor, Dr. Anderson, mostly. Sometimes his mother writes a letter, sometimes he writes letters to companies, but uh, usually it's to Dr. Anderson. So I thought I'd read a couple of these for you um, today, and if you've never heard this before, I hope you enjoy it. If you have, I hope I'm reading stuff you've never heard before. Dr. Anderson I was watching the buckets of sea monkeys and thinking about how happy they must be to know they live in a very predictable world, that they will soon be released to do the job for which they've been trained. Eating brain plaque out of rich people's heads to keep them young. I'm sure they don't question each other about any of their motives, and they don't need to hold meetings to try to agree what they want to do next. They already know. They know they'll soon be munching out the destructive gunk that slows you down and makes you wrinkly and forgetful. And that's about all they know. It's simple. I'm not suggesting this would be a good way for people to live, but you know, it made me think that one of the reasons it's so goofy in the United States now is because of one thing. Everyone is from somewhere else, and they all bring new ideas about how to live. What makes it worse is that everyone is encouraged to be an individual, and so then they even break out of whatever culture they came from. The advertisers are always telling us how important it is to be an individual and make the choice to drink Pepsi or to drive a Dodge. I always laugh a lot about how car companies say they're so different, but I still count four wheels and a big gas tank, and it's pretty much the same. People don't get that even though they're individuals. They really are all kind of the same. Oh, and I just remembered that I dreamed last night about a big tree frog that had jumped on my leg, and I tried to get it off, and it had really sticky pads on its fingers. It looked at me and it said, I only want a free ride. So I put it back on my leg and took it with me. That was pretty normal for one of my dreams, but it's the first time I've had a dream leave red spots on my leg. P.S. My mom says we'll be in soon for a visit. I don't know how we'll get there, though, since the golf cart stopped holding a charge. Your patient, Randy. Dr. Anderson, I decided not to wear the shoes. They got too floppy in the rain, so I'm going with the lumberjack boots. They're more waterproof, and the pants tuck in pretty well. My mom brought me another bucket, finally. She tried to trick me, by the way, with turkey wieners instead of beef ones. I know the difference because the soup made by the beef wieners is better, and you can dunk your bread in it. But only Wonder Bread. It's the only kind I use if I haven't made shovel bread recently. Sometimes, I wrap a soup wiener in Wonder Bread and eat it that way while dunking in the sauce. It's pretty good, and you should serve it at one of your barbecues for your patients. They would like it, and I'll be happy to tear the crusts off for you. Mom wants me to wear more clothes, but I told her, the clown suit is great and it breaks the wind just fine. If you talk to her, tell her I'm warm from the fire. She won't believe me anymore. She always tries to get me to do everything her way and it drives me nuts. 
Like when I ordered some carving quality bologna for one project, she thought she could substitute a coarse grind sausage, and it didn't work as well. I tried it, but it just didn't work. She says it saves money by not going with the top quality, but I ask you, did the great marble carvers of the medieval days use chunky marble? No, they used the good stuff. Back to my question. Did you ever say to my mom that I told you I had a dark spot in my mind? She says she knows about the dark spot, and I say she doesn't. We argued about this until she went to sleep. I figured the rain would wake her up, but the barking dog finally did it. After I made her take the turkey wieners back inside, I saw one fly out the window and hit the windshield of her car. It's one of those new bulgy cars like a Blortmobile, and now she probably has a wiener streak on the window. That's how you know she's coming. Look for the wiener streak. By the way, she says she's coming to see you again. Randy Scuffle Dr. Anderson, I've come to the conclusion that the wiener gun idea probably won't fly now since everyone has become so serious. I mean, it used to be that people would appreciate the art of it, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I suppose even if I did do that film project where I captured each wiener coming out of the gun in ultra-slow motion, someone would be offended because of that time I accidentally hit the pigeon with a cocktail frank. How could I know they had that kind of power? After that, I had to be more careful and performed an experiment with a bologna statue I made for one of the presidential debates. I had this theory that the impact would either blow up the wiener or knock over Mitt Romney, but it didn't. Instead, the wiener just entered his leg and never came out the other side, and the hole sealed up right away. When I tried to dig out the wiener from Mitt Romney's leg, I couldn't find it because it had become one with the leg. Then some birds started boring holes all over him, despite his desire to become president. I thought at first it was a woodpecker, but Mitt Romney was made of baloney like all my other debaters. And it turned out that there were all kinds of worms that had made a million little paths and tunnels in his body, because I forgot to do my soon-to-be-patented balonification process on the bottom of his feet. His presidential-like crust was okay, but inside it was a mess. He still looked pretty good, and you could never tell he was eaten up inside. Once all the beak holes were there, the rain got in, and the whole thing collapsed. So I donated that to the Art Institute, but every time I go there, I don't see it on display. By the way, thanks again for the putty knife and the deer eyes. They look a lot better in the new Mitt Romney I'm working on. The sheep eyes from that other supply house had a weird color. They were still better than the olives, but I did that just to figure out whether to make him look left or right. I'm not totally giving up the wiener gun idea. I've thought too much about it. Bye, Randy, your patient. All right, we're going to do a few more here. And um, we're back to Randy and, oh, his meat fetish. And there's some more clown stuff coming up, too. Dr. Anderson, would you please print this out and mail it to my mom? She won't come out even when I ask her nicely through the amplifier. Thank you. Mom, I need a couple of things since the fence went up. More food is one thing, and I also need 400 or more eyes 
from that taxidermy catalog laying on my dresser in the bedroom. Please order the ones that look like deer eyes and not the goat eyes, as the goat eyes have horizontal slits that look terrible on the beef babies I'm making for my next project, called Baloney Ward. Thank you. Randy, your son. Dr. Anderson, you asked once in a previous meeting if I could think of anyone I admired or liked as if it were a hero of mine. I've thought a lot about this in between my projects or even while working on my projects, especially the current project that involves me hiding out as the camping clown. While I wouldn't exactly say that living in the backyard of my mother's house is hard camping, there are wild animals that come through here like cats, crows, squirrels, a guy looking through all the garbage cans, and a ton of worms since it's been raining so much lately. The worms look a lot like living wieners, but right now I'm pretty set since before my mom went into the hospital after the wiener-induced accident, she did some shopping and got me plenty of meat. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and it seems that if wieners were alive, you wouldn't be able to tell which end is the head. Also, it's pretty hard to tell the boys from the girls. I'm going to research this more and let you know my findings. Since I'm in contact with a lot of wieners lately, I figure I'm pretty much in a good position to do the testing. Anyway, back to the question you asked me about who I admire. I have to answer right now that I think the man I most admire and would consider my hero has to be Geppetto since he's the one who figured out how to bring wood back to life. I'll get back to you on the tests. Randy So if you're hearing dogs barking, that's because there's dogs barking, and our studio is in the basement, and it isn't a professional $25,000 studio. It's, um, it's a bargain studio. Dr. Anderson, what are the chances I could get another shipment of cotton balls? I discovered a problem with the sea monkey nests after it was too late. Now I have to start all over again with new ones. The training, though, is going well, and I think I found a group of smart ones. The best part of it is that they seem to have a voracious appetite for wiener. Even better than the squirrels have in spring. There was one squirrel last year that figured out how to climb into the bathroom window and it ate a hole in the side of the Brad Pitt head that I carved for my mom's birthday. It ate through the one spot I didn't glaze all the way, and then it made a nest inside and had babies. My mom didn't even know it because she had all her dolls piled up around the Brad Pitt head. One doll that I think was designed by Marie Osmond got a bunch of wiener chips all over it from the squirrel's chewing action. At first my mom thought that the Marie Osmond doll had chewed through the Brad Pitt wiener head because it came with big smiling teeth that could have been pretty sharp. I told her it couldn't have been the doll because its bite marks didn't match what was on the wiener head, and she calmed down. The hard part was getting the baby squirrels out of the head, and I didn't want to keep hitting it with a stick or it would crack. I used the head to hold up her bathroom window but faced the hole to the outside, so the squirrels thought it was a tree or something, and when they got old enough, they left home. Now we have a cork in the side of Brad Pitt's head, which is okay, because it keeps the smell out of the house. I just dropped the shovel bread on the ground, so I have to go now. Randy Alright, I'm going to do one more. 
Dr. Anderson, I agreed to write to you more frequently about how things are with me since starting with the art projects as a way of distracting my mind from the thoughts that distract me. So far, everything is pretty good, but I still have thoughts about my former boss at that company I told you about so many times in those meetings we used to have. I find myself in bed at night, and even sometimes during the day, thinking about how to let him know how much I hated working with him after he revealed his severely disturbed qualities. So the thing I'm thinking about lately is how to meatball his house. I plan it all the time. I think about what kind of meat to use, and I've settled on ground beef, but with a high fat content that will probably draw more flies than the real lean stuff. I only know that most people are attracted to fatty foods, so probably the flies will be that way too. Plus, it would be cheaper to do it with high-fat content ground beef, and then I could do a more complete meatballing episode. I have decided that the best thing to do would be at night, and it should be during the summer so that the maximum slime and fly activity occurs. I don't know if I should do one full pound or two. I figure the meatballs should already be made, and I should probably wear gloves. It would draw less attention to the meatballing if I rode a quiet bicycle to the scene of the event, because I could make a faster getaway. I could throw the meatballs at his house, maybe hit the door a few times, and then take off. My real big dilemma, though, is if I ditch the gloves at the scene, could they make molds of the gloves with some kind of spy clay and reproduce my hands and arms and then somehow identify me as the meatballer? But if I don't ditch the gloves right away, like maybe a block later, then my handlebars will get full of meat and they'll attract flies. This could be bad when trying to avoid the police because they could just look for a bike with lots of flies and a guy swatting all over while riding down the road. I guess another potential problem would be if on the way... The meatballs somehow fell through the basket and onto my wheels, which would be a problem in two ways. First, I could slip and lose control on the meaty wheels. Second, and most concerning to me, is that I'd have ground beef flung all over the back of my clown pants. That would be hard to explain if the police saw all the flies. So the reason I'm writing to you is this. Is it wrong to meatball someone's house if you call it an art project? Thank you for reading, Randy Scuffle. P.S. I think I should come in soon for a checkup. All right, well, thanks for your patience uh, and, and, and my indulging me in reading from the Randy Scuffle papers by Phil Rebius. I've actually sold a couple of copies. People have enjoyed it. And I hope you do too. Look for it on Amazon. And um, and if they don't have it at your favorite bookstore, order it. The Randy Scuffle Papers by Phil Rebius. All right, that's all the time we have this time. Rita asked for me to extend her apologies that she couldn't participate this time around. Uh, we always miss her. She's wonderful. And um, I think that's about it. One more time, we're sponsored by Lightning Bugs, the diaper with a social conscience. If the rumors are true and you're going to be able to charge your phone up by plugging into your baby, that'll be awesome. That'll really be cool. And it'll save electricity 
Um, maybe someday we'll be able to plug our babies into the grid. Take care. See you next time on the Prehensile and Gretel Show. Bye. Well, you've made it to the end. The Prehensile and Gretel Show welcomes your comments and questions. Send us a note. Tell us what you're thinking. Our email address is comments at prehensileandgretel.com. Thanks for listening.